What is up, everybody? It's your favorite angry American with the usual degenerates short one. Emery, I don't know how, but he threw his back out flying a drone today. I don't know. So he's he's laid up and, and sore. But we've got Sularu with us tonight, and we've got the glorious bearded uh, Mr. T with uh, Mountain Readiness. And then that huge mountain sitting beside him is Mr. Kyle Gahagan. Kyle, welcome to the show, man. Well, thanks for having me here. You've got you've got quite the uh, resume over here, so so let's let's let them know who the hell you are to start. First, hang on. Mel wants to say hi. Yes, I'm just here to say hi. She decided to say hi. Run over to no. Kelly's and no. hang out. Phone with them because we are at Mountain Ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at Mountain Readiness. Well, some of us are. T went home because because Amber's still recovering yep. from her surgery, so yes. we're cutting some slack. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, Kyle. Let everybody know who you are. You know yeah, your know. your background first, and then we're gonna start talking some fun stuff. And I know, my baby. I know Emery's uh, bummed not being here because he's a he's a knife freak too. Like making them and all the steel. He get all the minutia with you. Um, I'm like that guy at the end of Forged in Fire. Will it cut or not? That's where I go. <laughs> so so let's let them know who you are, man. Well. I don't really know what you want me to say, but I mean, <laughs> uh, Kyle. Well, I mean, you know, you, you're, you uh, came out of the military, and uh, you know, you, you yes, did, I you did. did uh, First Ranger Battalion. I served with them for many years. Um, left the military, went into education, got out of that because got tired of dealing with parents. <laughs> and uh, well, I know several guys full time life maker. Nice. So. Nice, and you're well, making some, some you know what? blade. Well, whatever, and see, Kyle, he leaves out the parts, too. Like, this guy's got, like, 85 Ph.D. and doctorates as well. I seven, I've got seven masters, three doctorates. And he makes knives. I make knives. I mean, and it just shows what education for. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad education has got in this world today. Well, Lord, I, I don't, I don't know what a, I don't know what a doctorate in liberal arts and women's studies and gender studies. That's the three. Where I'm guessing. I'm, I'm just throwing darts here. Uh, <laughs> I got, I got but, four but PhDs. What you got more? I have four PhDs. Yeah, four of them. Yep. You do? You have? Yeah, they're post hole diggers in my shed. Legos and yeah, post hole <laughs> diggers in my shed. Yeah. That's that's what that's what he's shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we need four diggers. Yeah, we need four. <laughs> Friends, because you need eight hands. Technically, you need eight hands for four of them. Well, I got I got one for me, and I got one for three of my my, my three sons. But uh, they, the other three don't get used that much. <laughs> awesome, me. I had a little there. I'm on. Um, I am on a hot spot tonight, guys, because I'm out here in the woods. I ordered a Starlink, but it ain't got here yet. So, as soon as it gets here, I'm gonna try that out. How was Blade Show for you last year, Kyle? Blade Show went well. Um, 
I've, I've been going to Blade since, truthfully, I've been going to Blade show since it moved to Atlanta. I grew up there. Um, last year, uh, we picked up some good contracts because um, we, my production company, not only do we make knives for ourselves, we make knives for other companies as well. So um, that's kind of what we focused on this year was picking up contracts from other companies. So. Nice. Do you ever do shot shows? And for all your clerks that have not been to Blade Show Atlanta, you are missing out. That is the place to be. Man, that yeah. once you, if you go to Blade Atlanta for your first time, like everything else sucks after that. Like you can't go anywhere <laughs> else because that's as good as it gets. Pretty much. I mean, I I paid five hundred dollars for a table just so I can go and hang out with other makers. I mean, it, you've got every maker in the world there. Yeah, everybody's there. Everybody's there. It's, it's, do, you, do you do SHOT Show? We attempted to get to SHOT Show this year, um, but they were booked up. I think we're going to try to get there uh, this coming year. I think now they're over at Caesars as well, dude. Like, trying to see all that stuff is just not possible. You know, I, I read a thing one yeah, time that said if you went to SHOT and you spent three seconds, I think it was, Three or thirty seconds in every booth, then you can see every booth in the duration of the show. Otherwise, it's that's how long you get like thirty seconds in a booth, and then you got to move on. We're going to try see them all. next year. I will give you an accurate, if that's possible. I'm just going to every booth I run, I'll be like, "Hey, what's up?" Before thirty seconds next, just go from one to the next, run through the whole thing, see if it's possible. Well, I'm going to be out there in January probably. So I ain't been in a couple of years. Sue, so you gonna be there? All right, cool. Pardon? Gonna be at shot I, have show I been to shot show? Are you going yeah, to be it's, it's, in January? I I'm not working for anybody this year. I'm usually I'm standing at a at a booth, and then before that, of course, I was the G8. So I was I I, it's, uh, I got punished. I had to go to shot show every year. It was just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying saying you to Vegas for a week. So I told Amber, yeah. so I was like, babe, I'm sorry. I got to go to Blade this year because Kyle's daughter is graduating and mine and there's nobody cover the booth. I got to go, you know, so she understood. You know, she cuts it's me work. out. She understood. Yes. <laughs> it's work. It's work related. <laughs> so, so how do you go from, well, you went into teaching, so I can understand leaving teaching to go to go make knives, but. But coming out of the military, I'm sure that's part of your seeing a need for some improvement probably came from. So how'd that transition happen? Or is it something you like always were doing, man? As far as teaching or blades? No, making knives, like getting into actually making them. Was it a hobby to start well, with? You turned it, company? It, it, it was a hobby. I, I actually started making knives when I was about 10 years old. So I used to go down to... Uh, a gentleman that lived down from my grandfather because my grandfather would every day you know he had his i've got to take my 20 minute nap and i was one of those hyper kids so he'd send me out to the shed and uh he sent me out to shed one day i found some metal and started figuring i'd make a weapon out of it that's all i did anyway and he'd give me a stick mm -hmm. i'd make a spear but this this time i made a knife um and he found a a gentleman uh that lived down the road from this uh He's pretty well-known knife maker. And uh, so I started bringing my knives to him, and it, he kept telling me how bad I sucked. 
So <laughs> at about 11, I decided I sucked so much I couldn't make knives anymore. So I quit doing it. And uh, when I got out of the military, I was a uh, administrator at a college. And my finance officer uh, had asked about doing a knife for his brother for a wedding present. So I made him buy me some equipment. I gave him a knife and just started doing it ever since then. Uh, I got to the point, you know, I was, again, I was an educator. I was principal, superintendent, and uh, I just got tired of dealing with parents, man. It, <laughs> and realized I, I was making more money a, making knots. Than... <clears throat> Go ahead. I was I could just see you as a school principal. What grades were these kids? Man, that, that's the funny part. I was a, I was an elementary school principal. Every time I walked in the classroom for the first time, every all the kids started crying. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. I bet you got no lip out of them. Like I got zero lip out of the kids in school. <laughs> no, the biggest biggest thing was all the kid in, in elementary. All the kids want you to know their name. So you'd always have these kids coming up to me. What's do you know my name? And I, I just had to look at them. Like if I know your name, then we've got some serious issues. Like you're in trouble. You don't want me to know your name. That, you don't want yes, me to know, your name. to know your name. That's it. Um, That's hilarious. Man. Yeah, like I said, I, I got out of education, just got tired of dealing with the the corruption in the school system, the the parents, just everything going on. Realized I was making more money uh, making knives as a part time maker, so decided to do that full time. And it's taken off since. Now, That's Resilience awesome. Forge. Now, yes. Ty also runs a nonprofit, uh, Resilience Forge, which is a um, pretty neat setup for helping veterans. Tell them about that. That's a yes. So, around 2000, 2015, my son was born. 15. No. I don't remember my kids. 2011 either. I started. I, I took on Resilience Forge in 2015. Like I remember the days they were born. They'd like, yeah, you know, September the 9th. But I can't remember a year. So 2011, my son was born. I started having some PTSD from incident in Afghanistan. Um, started looking a way to figure that out. I uh, ran into an organization. It was Resilience Forge, based out of Virginia. Um, I started doing some collaboration work with them and ended up taking over Resilience Forge in 2015. Uh, one of my, my doctorates is, in, is clinical psychology, so figured I might as well use that doctorate for some good. Um, so we started, took over the program, started offering free services to veterans. We do what we call blade therapy. And truthfully, it's just a bunch of veterans getting into the shop uh hammering on hot steel getting their frustrations out and just hanging out um we if you want to talk we talk if you don't want to talk we don't talk i mean it, so many veterans get tired of being forced into talking about their issues you just got to let them talk freely i mean va is constantly trying to push you to a psychologist and has nothing knows nothing about what you've experienced and wants you to talk about it and it just doesn't work. 
So psychologists that, at the VA should all have to be combat vets, in my opinion, so they can understand these guys. You know? I mean, it doesn't make sense. So you said psychologists at the VA should all have to be combat vets, in my opinion. Yes, so I, they can I would break agree. Yeah. Talking to, you know. Well, but, there's nothing more therapeutic than beating a piece of hot steel out with a sledgehammer. I mean, it. I find it to be pretty therapeutic myself. You know, I go over there, Kyle's like, man, I've had a horrible week, you know, and fire up the, the forge and start beating on a piece of steel. I feel instantly better. <laughs> instantly better, yeah. Well, yeah. That, it, you're getting both things. You're getting the, some quiet, you know, time in your head. And also the, the 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 violent side out of beating the dog shit out of something that you're stuffing it in a fire too. Well, it's either that or put somebody in the hospital. I mean, you know, beats the thump somebody's head. So I mean, our, our whole job in the military was destruction, and now here we are yeah. taking a raw piece of steel and creating something beautiful, something that I mean, even though it is, it's a practical uh, tool. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. something that we've created instead of destroyed, and it kind of gives you a sense of accomplishment. Absolutely, and you and you you know you know it's traditional, but it's also beautiful. A lot of the stuff that that you can yes. do with it, and is that's this, what I like. I mean, I wish I had the Virginia? time and skills, but I don't. Bring me my lives. Hold on, my set maker. Say Sue. Is is this still up in Virginia, or are you doing this down in Atlanta, Kyle? I'm in North Carolina. He's he's thirty minutes from my house, Sue. Oh, so Resilience Forge is in North Carolina. Okay, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, well, you've got Gahagan Customs, and then Gahagan Knives and Resilience Forge all at the same shop. So. Uh, not only Kyle is not only is Kyle a very good friend of mine, but come the first of the year, he'll be my boss. So I gotta like you know talk nice and suck up to him and stuff too, because one day he'll be signing my paycheck here January first. Way it's looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you said you stopped making knives when you were eleven. When did you start making knives again? Uh, I started making knives again in two thousand seven. I don't know how old I was then. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that does come a point where you stopped making knives in about 91 and started again in 2007. Nice. Nice. Anyway. Now, now Kyle also, he does um, tutorial. Like he'll have classes, not only just for veterans, you know, he'll have classes. If you guys, um, if you get on Gahagan, Customs or Gahagan knives. Gahagan knives. Um, you can contact Kyle, and if you get a group together, you can actually come to Kyle's forge and um, make make a knife right there with him. And you can do anything from just a one day or a two day uh, class where you do the blade and the handle, or you can come in for a real intensive to where you're making a um, you know a, a fifteen to two two thousand dollar blade you know, in a matter of a five-day period. So you can actually come in and at the end of it, you know, the class, you are, you are literally getting a very high-end blade um, for the price of the class. Like if you bought one of, uh, if you bought, uh, bought a blade, the caliper of the knife that you will be making with Kyle, you're going to pay every bit of that and then some. Yeah. So you get, you're basically getting the class for free and you're paying for a knife that 
you get to to forge out with a world-renowned bladesmith and, you know, learn that in a five-day period of a class. So this is actually one of my, this is actually one of my, I think the third knife I made. And this is uh, with the help of Kyle, of course. And uh, this is what you get to learn how to do. That's three knives, guys. That was my third knife I ever made right there. That thing, a natural hamon, sub-hilt. I mean, that's that's what you're paying for when you come do classes with Kyle. You know, it's sky's the limit with that stuff. That's nice. That's nice. Sue, you have ready, Blade? Pardon? There's a... I said, Ashley, have a, you ever made a blade? You ever made a knife? No, I've never made a knife. I'm, I'm interested in... I'd like to make some tomahawks and some axes or... We're we're, yeah. we're doing those as well. Yeah, we're doing those as well. That's a Kyle. This is a Kyle Gahagan EDC. This is an everyday carry knife, like Kyle. So, got Kyle and I have the same love for ridiculously huge, large blades, and it makes you feel powerful. Yes, yeah, zombie apocalypse. That's what we're gonna be. So you can see, this is a three eighths inch piece of steel. That is tapered from three-eighths to nothing that direction and three-eighths to nothing that direction. And that is all hand ground. There is no machining on this blade. That's all. That's Kyle's work. And this is his prototype. This isn't even the cool stuff. This is like his, you know, slap it together blade right here. Yeah. Yeah. I took a knife like that to elementary school and I got I got kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're teaching the right thing. Yeah, I teach. And what about? Yeah. So, so you, you, you guys. Uh, I'm, that's the question I was going to say for later. But you guys are are making tomahawks and tools and things like that too. Yes, we are. Yeah. So we have right now. Bob designed a uh, a couple of tomahawks for us that we're in the process of uh, prototyping out. We should have hopefully by the beginning of the year. Um. So, Chris, you want to talk about anything of blade making? Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you. You guys are doing uh, do Tomahawk. Can you get bearded talk? The bearded? Yeah. Did you say bearded hawk? Oh yeah, we yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, we've got um, we've got two bearded hawks. Well, the one is a bearded hawk tomahawk type cross, and then Kyle decided to go all medieval authentic and now we've got how long is that thing that's a that axe three and a half feet a three and a half foot battle axe authentic to the period viking this this thing is we're, we're hopefully we'll have it done for blade show as a as a you know something to set out on the table um but those will be produced and it is just if there's you know if there's ever anything can you imagine if you're if you come up, you have somebody outside, you hear a noise, you're in your shorts, you come running out with this big, huge three foot battle axe in your underwear. That's 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 better than an AR-15 when it comes down to. It. I had a I had a good friend that used to carry a Roman belt axe handle up on the back of his belt, and uh, that got some looks when when whenever he produced it. Oh, yeah. Same guy. To, to stop the Jehovah's Witnesses from knocking on his door, um, one time they knocked and he ran upstairs and did a bunch of push-ups real fast, took off all his clothes, 
and then picked up a battle axe and drug it down the stairs. So the head was thumping on the stairs as he went down the steps and he answered his door. And the two ladies just standing there and he's breathing hard. And he's like, I'm kind of busy. Can you come back? <laughs> never saw him again. <laughs> That'll do it right there. That's how you saw that. Problem. That'll do it. That'll do it. But uh, yeah, you know, we're working with Kyle. So you guys remember the Dalton, we did a limited run of those. There's only 20 of them that got made. Um, but, but, I'm working out working with Kyle right now to have um, him put that into production. So he's got we, he's already done all his side, and right now I'm arranging financing because it takes a lot of money to buy a bunch of knives, folks. So and there's another one. there's a Morgan blade you guys haven't even seen yet that we're gonna I'm gonna show you that one as well. And uh, Kyle's gonna be making the blades for any of the blades that I do. The Angry American blade will be through him because I've seen the work he's done. Um, and he's part of our the tribe here now. You know, he's 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 one of us, whether he likes it or not. You're stuck, Kyle. Um, but we'll have more updates on those coming soon, but they're going to be coming out of Kyle Gahagan, guys. So um, another outfit in Missouri did the the customs that we did, but these will be a Russian knife that the quality is going to be as good, and the price is going to be way better. So that's my goal right now. So hopefully yes. we can get that done. How'd you what do you think, thing, Kyle? That Dalton. I'm sorry, you came in broken there for a second. I, I guess my internet that that blade. What'd you think thing? Oh, that it's modified a, it's a beast. Um, We're actually we've got a cutting competition tomorrow at the uh, yeah, well, not tomorrow, oh, Friday, Friday, Friday at the event um, that we're going to be. Uh, what is this? Um, well, actually, hey, um, uh, Chris, check this out because. That that blade of yours is a monster, right? And it's it's in the parameters. Now you know all you people at Mount Readiness for the fallout Friday night. We're having a, co a cutting competition. Chris, are you okay with us using your blade as one of the blades for that cutting competition? Hell yes. Yeah. So here's yeah. what we're gonna do, Tony Powers, Tony Powers. For all you people, if you don't know who Tony Powers is, then well, you don't keep up with bushcraft, but Tony Powers is coming to Fallout, and uh, he's going to hang out for the whole weekend. Now he's going to do a class for everybody as well. We're going to be doing, he's going to be doing uh, primitive traps, primitive traps and uh, and stuff like that. But we also talked him into, we suckered him into doing the, con the, the chopping contest. And then it's chopping contest. We have Kyle, we have Tony Powers, we've got Josh Morgan of Primitive Woodsman. And we got David Denny, which is uh, he actually works for Kyle. So we're going to have the you know student versus the teacher thing as well. But I figured nice. it'd be cool if we give because Tony didn't have a chance to do his own knife. If we let him use the uh, your knife, Chris, and then we can get some video on that and throw that out there for everybody to see that chopper in action. I, I was just going to say I'm going to I'll bring my camera gear up because we're going to film that because I want to do because I've I've yeah. done some pretty nasty chopping with that thing. And I'm amazed at what it takes cleanly in one swing. Um, I know somebody who butchers goats by beheading them with it. And one clean, like one swipe, he takes a goat's head off with it. So That blade nice. was designed by a guy named Donnie Dunn um, out of Tampa. And Alan Kay um, are the two guys that collaborated on that design. Because it's just, it's got so many tools in one. You know, draw a knife, push blade, mm -hmm. just a different ways you can get made the baton with. Um, so it's, yep. I'm excited to get those, get more of those out because that's a fantastic 
kind of like a do-all blade. It's not too huge, um, but yet it's still got enough ass behind it that, that, you know, even as a weapon, it would be formidable. So, yes. Yeah. I mean, knives have got to be big. My, my personal opinion is you can do anything with a big blade that you can do with a small blade, but you can't do anything with a small blade that you can do with a big blade. Man, go, try, go down and try to chop down a tree with a six-inch carving knife. You can't do it. I can carve something up with my... Yeah, split wood, yeah. butcher animals, behead goats. Will, yeah, what you, what you get, Kyle, is you, you know the guy that'll step up and, and make a video of him taking his mora and about an inch and a half stick and pounding it through something and whittling it off chunks until it finally falls over. Whereas we could walk up with one of these blades and hit it two times and it's going to fall over, you know, but yeah. you're right. You can, you can do everything you can with a, with a big blade that you can do with a little blade, but, but damn sure not the other way. Um, yeah. So I'm imagining since when you started making them, when you're teaching to now you're in full on production, how's your, how's your process changed? Or are you still just doing the same thing? Heating, beating it on an anvil. Well, truthfully, uh, I do most of the design work, um, and then I let my machinist take over from there. I, I've got multiple CNC machines. I have no clue how to use them, but <laughs> I still still do my handmade custom knives, um, standing at the grinder, grind everything by hand. Um, and then like the smaller production runs where it just doesn't make sense to to stamp, you know, put it up on the machine. I'll still hand grind all those for the customers. Um, wow, really? But it's definitely, it's a different world. It's trying to make 200 knives versus one or two is, is a completely different thing. Now, Kyle's Damascus yeah. work, too, is Damascus that it makes. I was on Kyle for a year to make Damascus, and I was like, man, I'm going to hand forge out some Damascus, <laughs> you know? And if you've never made Damascus before, I'm going to tell you uh, to do it by hand is stupid. It is dumb. You need and, a power uh, hammer, yeah, man. You, uh, you need a power hammer. Well, I tried it. I tried it for like 30 minutes. And then I was like, nope, going over to the, the power hammer and the press. <laughs> and my, my, my first stick of Damascus, I, I hand forged on a railroad tie using a 15-pound hammer. And it still took me four oh. days to, to forge that out. How many times did you fold it up? Uh, that one had uh, 120 layers, which oh my is what probably yeah. four folds. Four folds, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you start out with 25. So yeah, four four yeah. folds on that. That's a lot too, man. It's just insane. That's a ton. I went and yeah. bought a tire hammer. Yeah. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not doing this anymore. Not nope. doing this anymore. Yeah, Bob came to me. He's like, I'm going to forge my first guard Damascus by hand. And I laughed at him. And I, I told him, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it was short-lived. It was short-lived. I tell you, though, just even with power tools, people don't realize, you know, you, you see these the, the the prices on these blades and people's like oh my gosh you can't believe you're charging that much for a knife you know anyone who has ever said that's too much for a blade come to this forge and make just a little itty bitty knife just a little tiny 
because that's what you start out doing. Just make that. All day long, you're going to beat on that piece of steel, and it's going to still look like a child's. It'll look like a, a spork when you're done with it. And then Kyle's going to come over, and he's going to help you make it look kind of like a knife, like it should. Then he'll grind all your imperfections out of it for you, if you wish. And then it'll finally look like a little knife. And that's eight hours of your life that you'll never get back to make a piece of crap that doesn't even look like a blade. <laughs> So, uh, you know, when you start talking about Damascus, even on a power hammer and everything like that, I mean, you're taking a stack of 25 and then you're forging it out and then you're cutting it into three. Now you're stacking it again, or actually four, hmm. cutting it into four. And you got to grind each one of those nice and flat, weld it back together, do it again. Now you want to do You're going to cut it again into three. So, you know, you have that process three times of just forging that out to get your 300 count. Damascus, and uh, that's an all-day job with power tools. Um, you know, people's like that knife's too expensive. No, you need to come make a knife, and then you'll realize why that stuff costs what it does. Well, then you also you're losing sixty percent of the steel just making Damascus. I mean, you'll start out with enough to make ten knives, and end up with enough to barely make one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and hey, guys, for y'all watching, if you, because we're gonna get some comments with Kyle here in a few minutes. So if you got something you really want to ask him, um, just put a hashtag Kyle on the comment. We'll drag those off the side and save them. So if you got knife making questions, um, we'll definitely uh, answer them. Um, what kind of, uh, cause again, like I'm, I'm a knife guy. I like knives, but I don't get into the weeds on them. You know, to me, it's again, bullet cut, you know, and I'm, and I work quality of the steel and stuff like that, but, what kind of treating processes are you doing? Cause I know we were talking about one thing where I told you and you're like, yeah, they probably didn't. Here's what they actually did. So, so yeah. what kind of processes are you going through? And, and, and presently what's your favorite steel at the moment? I know it's going to be that um, depends, but go ahead. Well, I mean, right now I generally use ADCRV2 um, and for a stainless S35. Uh, you know, in this knife community, I've been doing this forever, and there's so many of these steels coming out that come and go. I mean, right now, what is it, Magna Cut? Magna Cut. I see Magna Cut disappearing in about two years. It's one of those steels that it's difficult to heat treat. Once it's hardened, you can't sharpen it. Um, so I've, I've learned over the years, you find a, a steel that's been around for a while that you can work with easily and, and perfect. Um, in the past years, I've been using 1075. I recently switched over to ADCRV2 now that we get it straight from the source. Um, and uh, all my all my hand forged knives are heat treated in house. Everything else we send out um, to a company that I I've given directions on how I wanted heat treated to meet our requirements, but um, you know, sticking with a, a known steel that's been around is the way to go. Ten ninety five. I mean, any ten series steel is good. Uh, ADCRV. Well, you know, just don't fall into this uh, new eight or you know the the new 
super steel. I mean, L Max was the the steel of choice seven, eight years ago, and you mm-hmm. never see a knife made out of L Max anymore. I don't think they even make L Max anymore. Probably not. <laughs> um, but I always call it a Gucci lot of bad, steel. Even in the knife business, yeah. 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 Yeah, the Gucci steels is what I called them. They come out with some of these crazy ass yeah, exotics. Yeah, they, that... I mean, they come and they go. Yeah, you know, ADCRV two is one that I really like, just because it's low maintenance steel. It's it, it's great. It's yeah. a great steel, and it's low maintenance because you know some of us guys get a little lazy and we may hack a bunch of stuff up with our knife and then we don't oil it like we should. Um, and then it rusts. That that ADCRV two it handles it handles that a lot lot better, and that's why they started using it. it's great steel, and it it doesn't rust like a lot of the other steels do. I mean, it's still gonna rust. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, it's, it's a ADCRV is essentially ten ninety five with some additives to give it a little more wear resistance and a little more uh, rust preventative. Um, so I mean, it's it falls in line with the standard ten ninety five that has been used for forever. Yep. I mean, you don't want to get out to the field and try to sharpen your knife and not be able to do so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. What kind of, what kind of blades are, are, are for you guys are, are more popular? You know, I, I was, I was someplace the other day where they were making boxes for a, another couple. Man, locked up. He done froze up. Yeah, yeah, he seriously froze up. He's let me let me, uh, let me change the vein a little bit. Uh, in the eighties, I was hanging in northern Arizona. I was hanging around these guys that got into the lumberjack rodeos and everything. So I'm very interested in your your Viking axe and and uh, uh, I'd like to get back into that a little bit too. Where you were actually making broad axes or they, they'd take the iron and they'd wrap it around and then they'd put a steel bit in the front of that axe and they would sharpen it up so well that you could actually shave with, you know, a, a, a double bit axe or, or, or an yeah. axe and chop a tree down with. And that, to me, that's just amazing. And of course they're expensive tools, but uh, I spent the summer going to these lumberjack competitions with these guys. And I was just amazed at, at how fast we could, cut through a, a 24 inch round log with these axes it just made a world of difference you know so uh, yeah i mean it, it all comes down to edge geometry and the and the type of steel you use i mean truthfully edge geometry has more of a play in it than than the steel but uh, edge retention is definitely a critical critical thing in the in the process but when Kyle, Kyle is big with edge geometry and handle geometry, you know, like a lot of the stuff that that makes a huge difference is how comfortable that handle is and the performance of what you can do with that knife as well. You know, um, so there are so many parts to making a quality blade, whether it's a knife or it's an axe or it's a tomahawk. It's not just smacking a bunch of steel into a, of uh, shape and then sharpening it up. Um, the it, the metallurgy aside, it's geometry of that blade and that handle. You know that makes the whole difference. And I can attest to Kyle's Kyle's blades. Um, you can shave with that thing there, but you could also completely take someone's arm 
off with one swipe with that thing. Uh, it it's just it's good cutting blade geometry makes the whole difference. Sue, you need to come see us, man. You're only two hours from Kyle as well. Kyle lives right around the corner from me. He's yeah, I, we'll do yeah just business. just so everybody knows, I apologize. I uh, a friend of mine passed away in Seattle, so uh, I'm on my way to Seattle to go to a funeral. I got to pick up a guy who won't get on airplanes no more. And I don't blame him. Kyle knows what I'm talking about being the first ranger, but he was a toe jumper for a couple hours, so he don't get on a plane anymore. So I got to pick him up and drive him all the way to this funeral. <laughs> yes, he was towed for a couple hours. He was he was towed for yeah, a couple yeah. hours, Sue. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you know, uh, at the round canopy uh, parachute course down there you, you you've heard of being a toad jumper it's when you jump out of the plane and your your static line won't release the parachute so you're just slap you're just getting slammed up against his was a, his was a, a c-130 and he was just getting slammed against the, the the fuselage of the plane and they were trying to decide whether they cut him cut him out or not and then they end up uh air landing with him you know and they foamed up the, the runway and everything and landed on the plane on the runway so he decided uh nice. yeah for me, for me a horrible day i think i'd rather get <laughs> you cut me loose man. I, I, watched the, I, watched, I said i watched a recent good. one out of, a, out of a c5 or something and they had this whole elaborate jumper recovery thing that they had to put up and they had this little female crew member on the plane that didn't know how to rig it she's like rigging it getting ready to try to save this guy somebody else comes up and he's like no 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 move out of the way and he properly rigged it and and towed this jumper back in but and he was he was made up because his lanyard was wrapped around him when he went out and uh he was hurt pretty bad yeah but they had a whole working system to pull him back in yeah i never I, jumped once i never jumped once and then and then I, um, I'm like, you know, I was talking to Emery, and Emery's like, nah, you should jump. You should jump at least once. And then Sue, Sue cut, we were talking. We went out to dinner when we were over at Troy's Gate. And Sue was like, oh, yeah, you won't believe, you know, I took such and such up, and he jumped, and then we had to pull the reserve because the main chute had come open. I'm like, nah, never mind. I'll pass. I'll pass. I'm not jumping now. <laughs> yeah. How many times yeah. have you jumped, Sue? Oh, I don't know. I I, I don't. I'm I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like you, T. I'm too lazy to keep records and things. But uh, I I've got a D license, you know. But I just, you know, the the whole jump log. The military is big on it, and they put stars and wreaths on your jump wings and stuff like that, whether you're halo or static line and everything. And I never got really into into uh, uh, keeping count. Uh, I I would volunteer to go jumping just so I could get out of all the other stupid details, you know, like going to the motor pool and painting lines or whatever. I was like, hey, there's a jump coming up. I'll I'll go jump. I'll go jump. Yeah, let me go jump. So yeah. I just enjoyed it. Yeah, thousands. But you have you've had you've got thousands of jumps under your belt, correct? Yeah, not as many as some people. I mean, uh, we got uh, uh, art, friggin' art. Yeah, those those guys that go and do uh go and do the uh, instructor course down there, and they they spend a couple of years at Yuma. Those guys come out with thousands of jumps, or they get on a demonstration team like the Golden Knights or or the Black Daggers. Those guys get thousands of jumps. You know, and uh, matter yeah, of fact, I used a, to jump with a buddy. Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, I used to jump my, with my the black daggers. Right sorry. Yeah, I used to jump with the black daggers when, when I after I retired, and those guys would come in and they'd be like, "Oh, we got to work today. We got to we got to try to get five or six jumps in." And I'm like, "Shut up! This isn't work. The army pays you to jump on airplanes. That's not work. Go dig a foxhole." <laughs> Yeah, we've, we've got a friend, T, down in Palapa, Florida, that Art's got, yeah. I think, over 30,000 jumps, is it, Sue? He's like 30,000 oh jumps or something? Yeah, immense, 30, immense number. Jumps? Yeah, the, the guy jumps The guy jumps four or five times a day, you know. That is, yeah, I, well, and, and he also, he also like, developed all the Halo gear that, that they jump with these days. Like, this guy oh, wow. was developed it, tested it. He was always, he was always the lab rat getting thrown out of airplanes. He jumped a... Uh, he jumped a, a, a uh, inflatable one time with twelve hundred pound inflatable. I think it was was that something like that. Sue, so some godly huge thing that he went out of the back of a C one thirty, strapped to him, and then opened his chute and rode this thing down. It was to make sure it was to prove they could air deploy an inflatable boat with it. And another dude jumped with the outboard <laughs> and be able to get this thing in the water and get it set up with people in it. You know? Yep, yep, yep. And you know. Was, uh, I was on those dog teams when they started jumping the dogs, you know, those those attack dogs and the tracking dogs and everything. And I'd look at the handler and say, Well, it's your dog, you jump with him because I'm I'm not I'm not gonna be in, in free fall when he freaks out and bites the hell out of everybody. <laughs> well, the placement of that dog, if I'm not mistaken, is down towards an area that you probably don't want that dog to freak right. out next to. Oh, they, <laughs> I was I was amazed the dogs actually enjoy jumping. Uh, they, they they do. They, no kidding. You got to make sure the dogs attached to you before the, the door back opens of a moving up. truck all the time. Maybe that's just what they're into, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's it's crazy with Art, you know, Art and those other guys. We, I knew a guy named Pete Morricon. He was he was actually retired Green Beret, but he's on the ace board there at Fort Bragg and he jumped till he was 80 something years old just, you know. He nice. Two reserves, and they'd go. Well, we're we're gonna we're gonna tie a knot into this main parachute, uh, main canopy, and well, you guys are nuts. I'm not doing that. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know those guys though. Like so, I you know as I get older, I shrink. But those guys actually get taller because every time they jump out of that plane, it jerks all their bones <laughs> apart. You know they're probably growing as they get older. Yeah, I don't think you yeah. jump. <laughs> I haven't. No, you hit the ground, man. Oh, and then you, you shrink right back, back. back down. I, so have, I was going to say this. <laughs> well, so much for that. Yeah. Well, that's what that's uh, cool. that's something we used to wear. Uh, you you see the paratroopers, uh, the you know the down at Palatka there, or you see the pictures of the old paratroopers. They all had a uh, a Sykes Fairborn uh, dagger or a yeah. uh, a knife, uh, pretty much. Uh, strapped to their their ankle, and everybody's like, "Well, paratroopers they, they wear knives on the ankle." That that was for the toad jumper, right? So yeah. when you get in that that scenario where somebody you, you you can just watch the static lines, and if the static lines are high in the door, right, then you know the the parachute deployed because it's just the the, the the d bag out there flying. But there's a static line goes low at the bottom of the door. You, you got to look out and say, "We got a toad jumper," and then hopefully. The guy's still awake and he's got his hands on his reserve and you would grab your knife. You know, we're talking about knives here. You want to be super sharp. So we would sharpen those knives up real well so you could cut that static line and it would go, you know, one swoop over the drop zone. And that guy would 
fall away from the plane and deploy his reserve. That's 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 the scenario they want you to do. So all the jump masters, yeah, jump theory, masters had a knife. Theory, that's how that's supposed to work. Yeah, yeah. But if that knife wasn't sharp enough, you know, that you're only you're only over that drop zone for a little while, you know. So if your if your knife doesn't cut through that static line, it, it, that that poor bastard's still still there and and uh <laughs> out over the trees when that when that static line finally rips off, you know, and he pulls his reserve over the trees and then he's he's screwed. So it's, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen what's, very, what's your closest very often. Call, Sue? What's your closest call jumping? What was it? For me? Yeah. I've I've uh, I've never had to deploy my reserve. I was never a toe jumper. The closest call for me was I actually passed out in free fall in Norway. So good. Because yeah, that's that sucks. I was in a I was in a spin because I I jumped so much equipment and part of my equipment had ripped away and I was I was spinning so hard that it made me pass out. And then I, I woke up and I thought uh I thought I was having a bad dream and I went to stretch, you know, and I realized I had altimeters on my wrists. And I tried to lift my head up and the 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 risers had had uh kind of twisted all the way down to my neck. So I, as soon as I got untwisted, I hit the snow and I was rolling up my parachute and everything. And I was crying and I was like, I'm, I'm, never, jump, I'm never jumping again. I'm going to join a mountain team. The hell with this crap, you know. <laughs> That's, that was my closest call. Dang. Now that would, that would, that would be crazy. Wake up and you're just free falling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wow. seems like you didn't really have a close call. Lewis, to Washington, we jumped with a second bat years ago, and same. I mean, I we jumped out. I don't remember what the wind was. We weren't supposed to be jumping, but I ended up hitting a tree and waking up on the bus. I had no idea what happened. <laughs> I, I saw the tree. I like, pulled my like slip. Didn't do anything. Hit the tree. Woke up on the bus. <laughs> Yeah. Apparently, I, I finished the training mission, but I don't remember any of it. TSC, what was your closest call? She was like, "Well, I didn't, I didn't really have any close calls. That one passed up in free fall." <laughs> you like how that well, breaks in? Well, a lot of really close calls. I just passed out in the midair and then woke like, up and realized I was free falling through the sky. <laughs> well, like Kyle, you know, I I started out in the Halo School in '84, but then I went to the Rangers and I went to Ranger School, and we were in the mountains. And because I was a big guy, you know, and I had muscles like Kyle, you know, when I was younger, so they'd always give me the, the machine gun to jump with. So I jumped in the mountains in uh, in uh, Dahlonega, and there's only one tree on the drop zone, and these these are T10s, so they weren't very maneuverable and everything. So. My parachute took me right into that tree, and I hit every branch coming down out of that tree, and ended up hanging upside down. I was like, "Oh man, that wasn't so bad." And then, goddamn branch! Well, there, yeah, were they woke. still jumping in the, the cow pasture back then? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. all cow pastures. They got one yeah. tree out in the cow pastures. Yeah. <laughs> man, that's hanging, awesome. Hanging upside down, I thought, "Oh, that wasn't so bad." And then the branch broke, and I got knocked out. Uh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> Instructors were like, uh, "Are you?" They woke me up and said, like, "Are you all right? Are you all right?" And I was like, "I think so." And they're like, well, "Get that machine gun back up! You're you're missing everything. Get, get the hell going." <laughs> yes, sir. 
Yeah, I really so, haven't I'm, had any close calls, really, though. I haven't had any close calls. <laughs> well, yeah, that's I guess in your jump career, you haven't. Yeah. That's it. Well, Matt said it. That's just a normal, everyday, normal day for Sue LaRue. Yeah. That's, that's just the craziness that yeah. happens on the regular. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I take, I, I take offense that we were. I was up there with Emery. Uh, he was doing some training up there in Indiana. I was up there and we were training on stuff. And one of the instructors goes, "You, you need to drill this into your head." And I was like, "Never say that to me again." I just had two holes <laughs> in my head last night. <laughs> oh man, especially not around Emery the way he's been hitting you in the side of the head with that helmet and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he feels bad about it, but I told him it wasn't his fault. Yeah. I can I can see by the smile on his face he feels terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, we got we got to run a couple little promos, guys. We'll be right back. And if you got questions for Kyle, y'all need to get him in there. So let's hear him. As we all know, shadow banning is a real thing. And I know it affects me greatly. One of the things we're doing to get around that is the new website has a sign up where you can get the newsletter. I highly recommend you go over and do that because you're not getting notifications from all the platforms. Even Patreon's not sending out notifications. But if you get on the mailing list, you'll get the newsletter and any important updates. I'm not gonna spam you with a bunch of email I'm damn sure not going to sell your email address. You don't have to worry about that kind of thing. But it's a way that you'll be able to keep up with what's going on. Because too many people are saying, hey, I didn't get the notification for this. I didn't know you were doing that. That's because social media hates me. And they're not sending stuff out. So hit the link down below. Sign up to the mail list. You'll get the weekly newsletter and the updates that come out periodically. But if you want to stay connected, it's the best way to do it. Hit the link below. And you guys know the drill. Be good or be good at it. One of the five things in the First Amendment is the freedom of speech. It doesn't say unless it hurts somebody's feelings. Good old on the rocks advertisements. I, I love that voiceover dude, man. He really is cool. Yeah, I I'm gonna tell you that was the coolest thing we ever come out up with was was Sue LaRue putting a voice to a, a, a glass of of alcohol there. And narrating that little that is perfect. The cigar sitting there, you know, it's like that was choice work. That, I mean, you know. that literally makes me want to be a raging alcoholic and take up smoking again. It's that good. <laughs> yeah, so you need to be thinking for more of those, dude. And you need still to be thinking more of those. Like your brain, write them down and then record them, Sue, because they're freaking awesome. I, 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 yeah, I, I got some windshield time coming up. I, I, I'll think of some more, and then I, I usually get them, get them to Holly. She, she picks them and sends them in. Even the ones I don't want, I, I was like, this one's for Joe Holly, and she puts it. She, she edits it. <laughs> That's what makes it Where's better. Let me see. I have any questions other than guys coming back this year? He bought one from you last year here, so you got to return a customer. He'll be back down here this time. No questions. Wait. No real questions. Huh. Well, well, Kyle, where can folks find your blades, man? Other than ready this weekend, where else can they find them? Uh, like, like Bob was saying, we've got uh, Gahagan Customs, which is our uh, production line. And then I've got the Gahagan Knives, which is my uh, hand-forged work. Um, people often go on the Gahagan knives, asking what I have. That's one of those 
I don't make stuff and I don't, anytime I have anything made, it's gone generally. So everything's custom off the Gahagan knives. Um, you reach out to me, tell me what you're wanting. Um, I design something or use one of my former designs and I'll make it for you. The Gahagan nut customs is the only thing that we have that's like a mass production, right. always in stock. And, and also not, and remember this, it's not just, uh, you know, it is a production line, but this production line is top of the line steel, you know, handles. We just, uh, he just put together um, the Karambits that, that he's been making. Those got redesigned. Hmm. Now it's the bodyguard, and he even has a carbon fiber handle, which he actually has, I think, four of those, four of those, uh, Karambits that are going to be at Mountain Readiness Fallout this weekend that will be for sale. And they are gorgeous, man. That polished carbon fiber on this blade just looks, it just looks straight sexy. So um, um, go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say, Emery's not here tonight, Kyle, but I'll show you his Karambit tomorrow. I've got one of Emery's design Karambits with me. And I'll okay. let you check that yeah. out tomorrow. We did, we did get, a, get one question. So Salty Cracker asks, what type Bowie? And it's funny, he says, Randall-type fighting knife do you make and like? Because I was going to ask you if you can make me a Randall, because their waiting list is so long. I, I read an article about it the other day. Their waiting list is like three years now. That was going to be like... It is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's retarded. And, and you know, they're in my town. They're, they're, up, they're down where I live. So, but what would you recommend like for a Bowie fighting knife? Which those things have been, you know, Bowie, Bowie and a fighting knife? I mean... What's 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 that? Randy Hicks. Oh, um, as far as our production line, uh, we've got we've got a knife. It's more of a it's a it's actually designed for fighting uh, by Master Smith out of Belgium named Sam Lerquin. Um, we've got that uh, as a fighting knife. Uh, our what we have called our Lowlander is more of a. You know that type of knife you're going to wear on your rack. It doesn't take up too much space, but it's it's a very useful knife. Um, as far as Bowie knives, man, I, I'll make everything. I I love. That's what I'm known for is making Bowie knives. Yeah. Um, and and not little Bowie knives. No. Like, don't call Kyle and be like, I want a six inch Bowie knife. That's no. not a Bowie knife. It's not going to cut it. It's going to be like eleven to twenty four inch long <laughs> Bowie. Um, this is a good friend of ours, Randy Higgs, and uh, Randy works a lot with with Kyle. They've they've known each other for years. But this is a this a is a, yeah, this is a sand my buoy. Um, Kyle's done some fit. stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think he actually made that sand my in a class of mine. Um, <laughs> right, I can't be sure. He may have. I know he made his first sand my at my class. But yeah, you ever, that's, you ever done uh, coffin handled buoys? What's that? You ever done a, a coffin handled buoy? Like a like a straight I up have. legit? Um, yes, I have done quite yeah. a few of those. Um, we got another another question yeah, here. Get on asks, what is what is? She asks, "What is the favorite blade you've ever made?" And I'm on a little lag, guys, tonight. I know I'm behind. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to get in the way. But what <laughs> no, is your good, favorite blade? You've ever made? Favorite. Well, I actually got, I've got um, a couple knives that are, if you go on my website, I've got one on there. Let me pull that up. 
Uh, Hagen. Uh, yeah, pull yours up because yours is going to pull faster. Um, his his uh, Persian, his Persian is probably one of the most gorgeous knives I've ever seen. <laughs> Which is what this one I showed was, but that was the prototype. So that was the stripped down. That's the stripped down version, and he'll pull up here. So I don't know if you can see. Yep. This is my. This was my Master Smith set. Um, each one of those in there has a lot of significance to me. Um, if you look, you see one that uh, there. It's like the yeah. old case Bowie knife. Um, yeah. My dad, when I was little, he had, he won this old 1950 case Bowie knife uh, when he was little. And it used to hang above the door in my grandparents' house. And I was never allowed to touch it. But I just stared at that knife. And every time I'd go there, I'd look at that knife. Um, so that's kind of what got my fascination with, with knives. So when I did my Master Smith test, I... I did my own rendition of that. Um, so, I mean, that one has a lot of significance to me just because of what it is. Uh, because, you know, it, and that's why I make big knives. I used to look at that thing as a, you know, eight, nine-year-old kid. That thing was huge. <laughs> so every knife I made was huge. I, funny story is, my first year making knives, I reached out to a lot of makers that were inspirational to me and asked them if I could make a, a knife of theirs. So I went to Blade Show. I brought these knives with me, and I would show the makers the knives. And, you know, every one of them was like, oh, well, you know, that's nice. And they had this, like, weird look on their face. And I couldn't yeah. figure it out. I went to my friend, Burt Foster, <laughs> and uh, I pulled out the knife that I had made. That was supposed to be like his and he started laughing and i was like oh man what what is he laughing about did i screw something up well he reached under his table and he pulled out that same knife and it was about half the size like <laughs> everything i made was apparently two or three times bigger than what everybody else was making um, it was that's just, hilarious well, that's, and that's what i like about kyle's blades is that I, I love these big monstrosity blades. And so when I met Kyle, you know, we went over there for a little class. It's been close to three years ago. It was just a, uh, it was actually with Amber in the police department. It was the police was over there. We were doing a, just a little blade. And I fell in love with it. And he's like, oh, if you like this here, here's my, you know, rendition of a buoy. And, you know, he pulls out these massive blades. I was like, oh yeah, man, this is, this is what I'm about right here. So that was my love of knives uh come to fruition and then of course amber she told me she i i i started hanging out with kyle next thing you know i come home with a pile gahagan knife and she was like what'd you pay for that knife i'm like it wasn't that bad you know you know and then then i come home with another gahagan knife and she's like look we can't afford these kyle gahagan cups and knives you're gonna have to start making knives yourself and that's when i started making knives my own was because you know amber won't let me buy it anymore <laughs> <laughs> all right we got we got one more question it's a, a general one for everybody that's here because you guys all have unique knowledge on this question but right after we're going to on the rocks and remember you got to be a patron to get in there but you can join for a buck and you'll be able to see the on the rock shows and, and have access to a lot of the stuff that's on there 
Kyle, where can people find you to follow? Like you're on all the socials. I'm imagine you're probably everywhere. As far as social media, yeah, I've got Instagram yeah. pages uh, for both of the companies. We've got Facebook pages for both of the companies. I started a YouTube video and was shut down the day after I started it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, something about knives and guns and stuff laying around. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how to get that one worked out. Uh, but <laughs> the next day. Yeah. Now, we all understand oh, yeah. how that works. I want to get this out real quick, too. Next week, we got the Fit Farmer going to be on the podcast. We're going to be seeing him this weekend, T. So we're going to be hanging out here, yeah. but we'll have him on the podcast next week. So that'll be kind of nice. So all right, our last quote, cool. oh, yeah, and don't forget, you can pre-order right now. Well, it's coming up. You're going to be able to pre-order a limited run of signed um, uh, Exploring Homes. There's only 100 of them. They're on my website in the links down there. Go to the store. You can pre-order one now. And the and yeah. well, patrons, uh, patrons get yeah, them. Yeah, they get them for free. But uh, the pre-order for the signed books is, or for the signed print books is coming up, and the print pre-order will be up shortly as well. So that's all out there for you guys. So our last question, I just thought this one was interesting. So Brizzy asks, I take flights often. When taking commercial flights, do you sit in certain sections, take self-defense tools, or have any tips? Thanks. Um, I'll give you guys mine, and if I miss something, you guys toss them in there. I always carry a flashlight. Um, not a, I hate to use the word tactical flashlight, but one with a DNA grabber on the end of it. So if I got to use it for a weapon, I can pound somebody in the forehead. Uh, I always sit exit row, if it's at all possible, and I wear good shoes and no synthetic clothing on the plane because you may be running through a burning plane to get off of it. So wearing synthetics is a bad idea. But those are the things I do. So. <laughs> Never about that. Well, I try just not to fly, but but when we do, yeah. uh, we actually like Carl Erickson's uh, rendition of a a defensive fighting tool with the wrapped up um, papers from from out of the seats. You know, that shows the planes and the seating. Um, he took all these and wrapped these things up super tight. Just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. He was busting bricks in half with that thing. And people don't think about that. But I mean, hey, that roll of paper turns into a baton. You roll it tight enough. They make uh, they make shanks and prisons out of newspapers and magazines. Uh, yep. There you have it. Same thing. And I'm I'm just an idiot, so every time I fly, my my uh my knife goes into the TSA trash can. So I, <laughs> I, I have this huge computer bag. I'll swing that I'll swing that around like you know some fat lady with bricks in her purse. You know and that that's that's what saves me. Huge computer. I'm gonna be bag. curious the next time I fly because my laptop's case has two plates in it, one on either side, so it just goes in my backpack. I don't care if they kill my laptop, but I'm curious what TSA is gonna think of that when they find it. So, but we're gonna, yeah. Kyle. Thanks yeah. for being here, dude. Thanks for having you on, man. Well, I appreciate like you having hours, me. Seems well, like this hour show is really ain't long enough to get into stuff. Well, Go ahead, man. Before we before we jump off here, remember, folks, this weekend is fallout. We're all there. You can still come if you're local, or if you're not local, you can still make it. We're a, a day and a half out now. Day day well day out, one day out, but. Kyle will be at Fallout only Friday. They've got previous uh, 
stuff that they've got to do. So Friday, all day Friday, Kyle will have all of his blades there. Bust some knives for sale. Of course, we're going to do the chopping contest Friday night. And then we've got all kinds of cool stuff lined up for the rest of the weekend. Hell yeah. It's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to this one a lot. And here's, here's one last one for you, Kyle, because I know you're going to kick out of it. Tiffany says, my husband said I can't ask what favorite knife because it's like asking which child is your favorite child. <laughs> Pretty much is. I mean, every every knife I make, I'm like, I don't want to get rid of it. And then I end up getting rid of it and wish I hadn't and make another one and then don't want to get rid of it. Uh, yes, I agree. That's what I figured. That's why I don't know if I'm going to work Street. out as a custom knife maker. I just want to just keep everything that I make. Hell yeah. Sue, you got anything you want to close out with tonight, man? Yeah, again, I'm sorry I'm not there for Fallout, but I did I did go to my backup. So all you guys interested in tracking, go go over and see Charlie Williams uh, with yeah. uh, Pineland Tracking. Uh, I think he's going to be there for the, the Friday and Saturday, and then he's got to go to Friday and Saturday. class. So we'll, we will get the Appalachian Tracking Association started between T and I one of these days. Yeah. Hey, let yes. me know if you need help with that. I think that needs to happen. Yeah, that needs to happen. Definitely, definitely. I, I forgot my definitely. Appalachia stand flag, Sue. I was going to be flying that for my camper, but I forgot it. it's hanging on the wall at the house. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody, thanks for being here tonight. I'll definitely be there in May. Awesome. Thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for being here. Um, you guys, too. T, give Amber our love. You know, uh, everybody's thinking about her. And uh, we'll catch well, you guys dude. over on On The Rocks in a few minutes. And y'all know the drill. Be good or be good at it. Great. On this podcast, if we talk about gun control, it's in relation to your marksmanship. Haven't had enough yet? Stick around for after the show. Bolder, grittier, angrier. On The Rocks with Angry American and the Gang is coming up next. <laughs>